I, I will remind you there are, are many different ways in which you can continue to give. Uh, instead of the uh, actual box inside, we have the mailbox all set up and ready to go. You can just throw it in there, as well as online for those especially who are watching, almanaz.org, um, as well as sending it in through the mail. Uh, the other thing I forgot to mention, because, again, I don't write it down, and I'm bad at that. I'm getting an old brain. Um, is with the harvest party, uh, if you would like, we will be accepting donations for food. So hot dogs, hot dog buns, chips, uh, food like that. If you have any questions, you can ask any board member, especially Josie, as uh, she's kind of heading that collection. Um, so please uh, feel free to do that if you would like to. Um, let us do pray over the, the offerings as they come in throughout the week. We thank you, Lord, for the giving of those who, who seek to build up your kingdom through financial means. We ask that you continue to bless them and, and may their gifts, may their offerings and tithes be multiplied and used in a great way to change lives. We also ask that you be with those who are suffering right now, those who are in, in a, a difficult time financially. Not just that you, you bless them and help them uh, to, to make more money, but Lord, really what we, we pray is that we can surround one another in that time to make sure that all of their needs are met, that we are caring and showing affection and love towards our brothers and sisters who are in need. It is in your name we pray. Amen. Well, today we're wrapping up the last of the what has been a, a rather short but tediously difficult series uh, as we finish out this section of Matthew. Uh, if you want, you can turn to Matthew 18. It's going to be verses 21 through 35. And, and this section, it has been, it's been hard. It's been challenging. It's been challenging for me. I'm praising God that this section won't come around again for a couple of years so I don't have to face it again uh, because it, it's drained me. It, it has challenged me and made me grow. I was just speaking to a friend of mine who was talking about uh, conflict and, and, and struggles, and, and he said, it's so painful. I said, yes, it is, because whenever we are growing, whenever we are changing and learning, it's painful. But that's a good sign. And so if you've been feeling a little bit of pain in the past couple of weeks, that's a good sign. That, that means that God is working on you and, and he is speaking to you and he's challenging you. And so I encourage you to embrace that pain, to love it and hold it and squeeze it and say, yay, God hasn't given up on me yet. Because that's really what it's saying. And most of all, after today... The most blessed thing about God is that he always brings hope after difficulties. And so take courage that there's hope coming in the following weeks. There is encouragement. There's a light at the end of the tunnel, as some would say. If you are able and willing, I ask that you please stand for the reading of God's word today in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. It says, then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished 
to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, pay what you owe me. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will repay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he could pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I have had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he could pay his entire debt. So my heavenly father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brothers or sisters from your heart. This is the word of the Lord. And together we say, thanks be to God. You may be seated. Heavenly Father, as we finish this, this struggling text, this, this very deep and burdening text, I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit might speak to us and challenge us so that we might grow, so that we might forever be changed to be more and more like you. It is in your name we pray. Amen. Have you ever had a perfect relationship? Think about it. Have you ever had a perfect relationship? Now, now be careful here. I'm not wanting you to uh, tattle on your spouse here. Don't, don't be saying, oh, yeah, yeah, perfect. Don't do the dishes. Leave socks on the floor. You know, no, I, I don't, don't be beating up on your spouse now. But I, I want you to think. A perfect relationship. A relationship with a friend or a loved one where, where nothing ever went wrong. You never disagreed. You, you never argued. You never said words you wish you wouldn't have said. You, you never, any of that. Everything was just peachy, hunky-dory. Relationships don't work like that, do they? Right? Relationships are more about how we resolve the conflict, how we work through it. A good relationship is not one that doesn't ever have problems but it's one that knows how to confront a problem and fix it. And yet, for some reason, we still believe, to some degree, that friends shouldn't hurt us. They shouldn't say mean things. That, that our spouses shouldn't just, uh, you know, do things that bother us, that, that pick at us and, and make us angry. For some reason, we have this in our mind that it, it is still necessary because if they really loved us, they wouldn't do this. True relationships, true relationships are ones that are centered on the principles of God's kingdom. 
everything that we've been discussing in these past couple of weeks. Remember, I said these sermons are interconnected. They have one flow of thought. It's all about relationships, but not just any kind of relationship. It's about having a true relationship. And I hope that's been evident as I've been using that word a lot lately. We aren't supposed to have perfect relationships because to have a perfect relationship sets us down a path of expectations that people will never meet. People can never meet. And so then it sets us up for disappointment and failure. Now, a true relationship, that is one that does not shy away from conflict, but rather it finds a, a grace-filled, loving way to handle conflict. A true relationship is always willing to set ourselves aside so that we can love on someone else. And, and the last key to this idea of having a true relationship is what we're going to talk about today. It's, it's connected to this idea, this act of forgiveness. Not just once, not just twice, not just seven times. A true relationship forgives limitlessly for the sake of others. And so as we dig into the story today, I, I want us to start picking up some, some key ideas of what Jesus is trying to teach us. First off, having heard Jesus' rather extreme way of talking about conflict resolution, Peter, wonderful, graceful, amazing Peter, opens his mouth again. And so we always know that when Peter begins to speak, there's going to be another deeper lesson we can learn from him because a lot of times he, he goes in a direction that Jesus is not going. And so Peter takes the challenge to heart, and he says to Jesus about the question. This is the very first verse that we read. Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Now, I want us to give Peter a little slack here. I want us to understand a little bit of what he is actually doing. And, and in order to do that, we need to understand that in this time, there was a very strict teaching on the idea of forgiveness. And they had a limit by which you were to forgive someone. In fact, a common saying of the day was, uh, it says, if a man commits a transgression, the first, second, and third time he is forgiven. But the fourth time he is not forgiven. Now, that's not as uh, catchy as uh, quotes that we come up with today, but it still is true. All throughout their society, this is what they were taught. One, two, three, and then the fourth time, no more. And so Peter here is actually doing something amazing. He's essentially doubling the amount of times they were expected to forgive, which is amazing because that's totally against the cultural norm. So he was beginning to pick up on the fact that Jesus is always taking what the culture does— and making it even more advanced. But he still wasn't right, was he? He, he still kind of missed the boat here. And it's not because, for some reason, Peter didn't say the right number. He, he, he didn't mess that up. Instead, he misses the fact that Jesus was trying to take something from just being extreme to being radical because he wanted to prove a point. 
he wanted to prove a point about forgiveness and, and what it means. And it, it's this. Forgiveness should be focused on rebuilding relationships. All right? Now, we, we think of forgiveness in much different terms. Forgiveness is about someone humbling themselves to me because they did me wrong. Uh, forgiveness is about proving one was right and one was wrong. Forgiveness sets this paradigm in our society of, of admitting faults. But in Jesus' eyes, forgiveness becomes a way of rebuilding relationships, which, again, sets us down a different path. And so by taking us down this radical path, Jesus is laying the foundation for actions that are focused on true relationships rather than the perfect ones. And he's essentially breaking every idea when it comes to how we interact with others so that we have no choice but to reset our habits, to reset how we behave in this world. So I want you to think of it this way. Honestly, take a moment, ask yourself, how often have you forgiven someone before you wrote them off? How many times? Start, start counting it out. You know, think of a specific situation. Okay, they, they did that to me, and then they did that to me. Uh, and then I stopped, and then that, that was just too much. I couldn't do it anymore. How many times? Even more so... If someone did the same thing to you over and over and over again, hypothetically speaking, we, we don't do this, I, we, but hypothetically, your spouse leaves socks, dirty socks on the floor. Uh, it's a miracle if I get Amy to wear socks. Uh, but, but say, hypothetically, you, know, every, you leave your dirty socks on the floor. I just did laundry, and now your socks are still there. I couldn't get them washed because you just kept leaving them on the floor. How many times over and over and over again before you say, that's enough! No more! The sad part is, is that there are people within our society who don't even forgive once. They truly live their life with this idea of one strike and you're out. If, if you do me wrong once, I'm done with you. And the problem with that is that they are wanting a perfect relationship. How many of us are perfect? Right. So you, you kind of see the problem there. So this is where we have to then dig into what Jesus is trying to do. And he uses this parable to go yet again to an extreme point, to drive home this idea of forgiveness and, and how it's centered in God's kingdom about relationships. The story as we read, a king decides to call his servants together so he can settle up all the debts. And he calls in one of his servants who owes him 10,000 talents. Okay, well, we, we use talents today still, right? No, okay, so, so for, for perspective's sake, a denarius is one day's wage. One talent is 6,000 denarii which is the plural form of denarius. 6,000 denarii is one talent. 10,000 talents. That's 600,000 denarii. That is 600,000 days wages. Now take that and divide that by 365 to get one year, and I didn't do the math, so I can't 
I, I already did the pre-math here, so I knew all that, but uh, do, do, the, do the math. 365, that's a lot of years. That's a lot of years that that slave would have to work to repay his debt. In actuality, they figure in our, our money today, somewhere between six and ten billion dollars. Six to ten billion dollars. Hey, Kay, why don't you write out a check out for that? You know, like, just, just, you know, we all got that in our bank accounts, right? We let, let's just whip that out and, hey, okay, well, here's your debt. I'm sorry about that. That's a lot of money. And so he's going to get punished. And not just him, but his wife, his children, everyone's going to get tortured because that's how they settle debts. I don't, I don't know how that's fair. I haven't studied that out yet, but somehow that, that settled debts back in the day. And so they're all going to get tortured. And he, so he begs them, please, please don't have mercy. I, I'll repay you, which is a funny statement because how in the world could he repay $6 billion? But nonetheless, and then what does the king do? Because he asked for more time. Eh. Forget about all of it. I forgive you of all your debt. It's all gone. Don't worry about it. You don't owe me a dime. Or I should say a denarius. You don't owe me any of it. Radical forgiveness is focused on offering mercy rather than getting what we want. The king showed mercy, not just to his servant, but also to his servant's spouse and to his servant's children. He offered mercy instead of getting the money that he wanted. And we too must take this story to heart because at the core of this story is our story. We owed God an amount we could not repay. It was more than $6 billion, it was more than $10 billion. It was a price that there, there is no amount that we can imagine. Because of our sins, we owed God a debt so great that the only thing that could ever happen was for us to die and be tortured because of the sin that we had committed. That was the only way. But that's not where the story ends now, is it? We know that with Christ's death and resurrection, that debt is forgiven. He shows us mercy instead of getting what he wanted for our sake. He set aside himself. Church, can we even conceive of this kind of forgiveness? Can, can we now see the similarities between the story of the slave and us, our lives in relation to God? Can we see then how God is trying to shape us to embrace an idea of true relationships, one centered around forgiveness? Someone, someone owes you $6 billion, and you just say, ah, don't worry about it. I don't know about you, but yeah, $6 billion would help make my life a little bit easier to some degree. But no, don't worry about it. You don't have to pay me back a dime. It doesn't make sense. You tell this to someone who is in Wall Street, and they would look at you like you were crazy. But that's the point. 
everything about God's kingdom is upside down. Everything about God's kingdom does not make sense, including forgiveness. And it's this kind of forgiveness that should change us. It should make us rethink every relationship we have here on earth and put it in perspective of how we were treated. If, by chance, we don't walk away from the grace that we were given, the forgiveness we were shown by Christ changed, then we fail to appreciate the amount by which we were forgiven. And that's the trouble here. That's the danger that we face. Because then what happens to the slave as soon as he leaves the king's presence? Starting at verse 28. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon his fellow slave who owed him a hundred denarii and seized him by the throat. And he said, pay what you owe me. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will repay you. But he refused. And then he went and threw him into prison until he could repay the debt. You were just forgiven $6 billion worth of debt, and then you see someone who owes you 100 days' wages. And you grab him, start choking him, saying, Pay me! Give me my money! This guy was... Ser- <laughs> I, I, I did this math too. Point, point... Zero, 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 so three zeros, point zero, 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 one, six percent. That is the difference between the two debts that were owed. The guy is choking another person over point zero, 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 one, six percent of which he was just forgiven. Even if you round it up, it would still be zero. It's amazing. And what's even worse is the fact that the the other slave uses the same words he used before the king. Have patience with me and I will pay you back. But no. And here it's reasonable. A hundred days wages could be paid back. That was not out of the stretch of feasibility. But that was not good enough. That's not what he wanted. He didn't care about that relationship with the other slave. He cared about his money. He was not changed. Radical forgiveness embodies the changes we receive from God and then offers it to others repeatedly. Not being satisfied with just what we've received, but giving it then in return. We have been forgiven of so much that we cannot do anything but offer forgiveness to others as well. There's no debt anyone on this planet can owe us that is greater than the debt that we were forgiven of through Christ. And it is this realization that enables us to then forgive people over and over again without bitterness, without anger, without expectations or limitations on the forgiveness. When a brother or sister sins against us, forgiveness should be the very first thing. It should be our immediate response to them because that was God's immediate response to us. Without hesitation, he forgave our sins. 
And so in order for us to have true relationships that look like the kingdom of God, that, that responds to the forgiveness that Christ had given us, we must set aside ourselves. Now, I understand that it, it, it does not seem sensible to forgive a brother or sister time and time again, especially when they do something that hurts you deeply. But to say that someone does not deserve forgiveness from you is to say that they've done something so horrible that it's worse than what you have been guilty of before God. And again, let me help you out with that problem. It's not possible. There's nothing anyone can do that is worse than what you have been guilty of before God that he forgave you of. Period. So there's never excuse. There's never a time in which we should never offer forgiveness because we have been forgiven of so much. It breaks my heart because the slave, he was so grateful of the king. He received so much mercy, but then quickly resorted to physical violence over a couple of bucks. Church, let us not be like this slave. We cannot allow our relationships to be so one-sided that we just always take and take and take, but we never return the favor. We never take what God has given us and give it then to others. Because that's not what a true relationship is founded on. Now, this, this idea of, of radical forgiveness, it is the key to how we are reconciled with one another. It's the protection that we need from serving ourselves instead of others. So we, we cannot see it as this passive way of just turning our heads to sins. It, forgiveness does not just excuse people of what they've done. It doesn't say, oh, you've done nothing wrong. Both slaves were held accountable. Both slaves had to answer for the fact that they did something wrong. You owed me this money. They had to respond to that. But forgiveness extended mercy instead of the justice that the people wanted. The king did not dismiss the fact that the slave owed him a very large sum of money. He simply forgave the man for the wrong that he did. True relationships that reflect the kingdom of God will always come back to this idea of forgiveness. A true relationship will always circle back to this. So it's important that how we interact with each other as the body of Christ is dynamically changed from our worldly relationships. We don't write people off. We don't cast them off. We don't say enough with you. Get out of my sight. We set ourselves aside for the betterment of others. We refuse to allow sin to corrupt the bodies, the relationships, but most importantly, we forgive time and time again when things just don't quite go right. Because as people, that's going to happen. And so we forgive, and we forgive, and we forgive, always remembering how much we have been forgiven of. That doesn't make for perfect relationships, but it certainly does make for true relationships. 
Now you have to forgive me here for a second, especially those online, because I need to do something because I, I, I just hold tight. I wanted to play a song again, but I don't have a good way except for going back in all the slides, so thank you. Uh, just sit here for a moment and listen again to the old rugged, rugged cross, asking yourself, have I been practicing this form of forgiveness or have I written someone off? Have I... Have I done what God has done for me, or have I said, nope, three times, they're done, seven times, they're done, just let the Holy Spirit poke and prod into the depths of your relationships this morning. Far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. So I'll cherish the I lay down I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown Oh the old rugged cross so despised by the world has a wondrous attraction for me For the dear Lamb of God Left His glory above To bear it to dark Calvary So I'll cherish the old rugged cross Till my trophy With blood so divine, a wondrous beauty I see. For twas on that old cross Jesus suffered and died to pardon and sanctify me. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross. 
you did so much for us. You forgave a debt that we could never repay and said you allowed your son to suffer and die in our place. Forgiving us, showing us mercy. May we take your son's words to heart when he said, so my heavenly father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brothers or sisters from your heart. May we live by these words, God. May we not allow ourselves to be so laden down with how the world decides to treat relationships that we cannot be transformed by your presence to have true relationships, to offer real forgiveness. May we, your church, be known for forgiveness. May people look at us and say, those are the crazy people who just forgive. And they always forgive and they constantly forgive. And what is wrong with them? Why won't they hate someone? Why won't they cast people out? Why won't they just abandon people? Why do they keep forgiving? Oh, Lord. Help us to always have these kinds of relationships. May you work in us to offer forgiveness that will never make sense to this world, but one that understands how much we were forgiven. And so we are compelled to do nothing but the same. As we close today, I encourage you to lift your hands for the benediction. God of freedom, you bought your people out of slavery with a mighty hand. 
deliver us from our captivity to pride and indifference to the needs and gifts of others, that we may be ready to love as you have loved us and to give even as we have received. Amen. I now send you out into your community. After, if you brought your lunch, you have picnic with us, if you're willing to brave the cold, to go out into your community to make Christ-like disciples, forgiving as we have been forgiven. Go in the grace of God. God bless you. And please remember, we have these flyers here for the party. Please begin to pass them out. Spread the word. We want to just love on everyone here in the community. God bless you.